I invite you to be to turn in your Bibles to John chapter one verse twenty nine. If you want to follow along in your pew Bibles, it's um, on page eight hundred and eighty six. Let me read uh, the uh, verses around it as well. I'll begin with verse twenty nine of John one and read through verse thirty seven. Uh, But this is the word of God. The next day he, that is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes the man who ranks before me. Because he was before me, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold! the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand through the ages. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, all of Scripture uh, reveals Christ. Lord, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, we read about your gracious revelation to us. We thank you, Father, for, for Jesus this morning, Son of God, Savior of sinners. And Lord, might we not only uh, savor and rejoice in this truth uh, for one month during the year, Uh, But pray that each and every day of every year, Father, that we would be rejoicing in the redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would be um, at work within our hearts this morning, uh, that we might see Jesus more clearly, love him more dearly, follow him more nearly, Lord, day by day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As Christians celebrate the glorious incarnation, the birth of Christ, it's good for us to sing a scripturally rich Christmas hymns, read the gospel accounts of Christ's birth in our home, and it's because of the homes in which we were raised. We read the familiar account from Luke chapter 2. And some of you might uh, even begin to ask, well, what Bible verse 
you know, preacher, if you were to narrow it down to one verse, what Bible verse best summarizes uh, the humble and holy birth of Christ? Uh, I believe there there are a uh, more than a few possibilities, but uh, a few of them would be, or the first one might be Luke chapter two, verse eleven where we read, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Or then again, we might read from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Angel speaking to Joseph says this, She, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Or you might go back to the Old Testament, to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But this morning I would add one verse to that list if we were to narrow it down to a a verse of scripture that summarizes the the gracious gospel truth about Christ incarnation and what that means to us and that verse would be John chapter 1 verse 29 let me read it for us again the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes the way, who takes away the sin of the world. Here we see that Jesus came in gracious humility to sacrificially save us. Well, why does Jesus graciously save us? As we look at this verse and, and a few other verses in this section, we'll see that Uh, Three gospel truths are being taught. There is a herald of salvation in John the Baptist. There is a hope of salvation that we can know uh, by grace through faith in Christ. And finally, there there is a holiness of salvation. That gospel truth ought to impact our day-to-day life as followers, lovers of of Christ. But it begins with a, a simple herald of salvation. As we hear John the Baptist confessing that Jesus is the Lamb of God. We know that the the normal accounts or the faithful accounts of the of Christ's incarnation are there in Matthew and Luke. But here in John's gospel, when we begin to read it and it's read quite often at Christmas, but think of what is what we might say is missing. Uh, there are no shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night, no, no herald angels, no manger, no Mary, no Joseph, no Magi, no gold, frankincense, and myrrh, no Bethlehem, no Simeon or Anna awaiting for Christ to be presented into the temple. You know, there, there's only a simple man that, that we know as, as John the Baptist, uh, a, a unique figure in Scripture, 
We know about his surprising birth to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Uh, We know that John the Baptist, for the most part, spent a solitary life in the desert. It was John the Baptist who preached that baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It was his voice that prophetically cried out in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And as we pick up the gospel account here in John chapter 1, it's important to remember that Jesus has already been baptized by John the Baptist. And immediately after his baptism, Jesus then spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. He triumphed over Satan by the word of God. And now John the Baptist sees Jesus again. And Jesus is coming towards him. I believe that's a great picture of salvation. You know, Jesus comes to us. He sees us first. He sees our need. And here is Jesus coming even towards John the Baptist. And Jesus still graciously comes to his chosen children with a gracious readiness to reveal his sacrificial love. It's not a situation that's unique to John the Baptist. And here, John the Baptist's heartfelt cry, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, what a, what a gracious and a, a glorious title for Jesus, the Son of God and, and Savior of sinners. It, it's an important title, and we'll only see that exact title used here in John's Gospel. Verse 29 that we've just read, we'll hear it again in verse 36 will be unpacking the scriptural significance of that title for Christ um, in the next portion. You know, but but it's important to see this title for Christ in in its context. You know, if you have your Bibles open, uh, beginning there at at the very start of John's Gospel, look at all the titles for Christ. Uh, he is called the Word. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. You know, as you begin to consider these names for Christ, you see that Jesus is fully God, fully man. He fully reveals God. He, he existed from all eternity. Uh, he brings life and light. And then that that climatic verse, in many ways, John 1.14, Lauren, I don't know whether you would say preached on it on Friday, but it was a great gospel message. Uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and, and truth. He, he's not just a God who is near. Uh, He he is a God who is with us. No, he's not just next to us and not just whispering or shouting to us from heaven. He's a God who is with us, full of grace and truth. And if you were to continue reading in John chapter 1, 
Uh, you'll see that he is also called the Messiah, verse 41, the Son of God, verse 34, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of Joseph, verse 45, King of Israel, verse 49, the Son of Man, in verse 51, he, he's coming again. And right in the very middle, uh, we read John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, God sovereignly chooses John the Baptist, a most unlikely gospel messenger, a simple man of faith, to to herald Jesus, the Lamb of God. Herald, H-E-R-A-L-D, is not a a word we use in everyday conversation. We, we seem to reserve it for Christmas time. Uh, the first hymn, Hark the Herald. The herald angels, they're, they're heralding, they're, they're announcing, they're proclaiming, they're, they're worshiping Christ. That the Son of God has become flesh and dwelt among us. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. You know, lest we think, well, this is John the Baptist. He was called of God to to herald Christ's birth. Scripture here is teaching us that that he, he calls every Christian to herald the coming of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. You know, what does it mean to be a gospel herald? Uh, we know that Jesus is coming or has come to us. Uh, we, we have seen him. We have beheld him. We sing his praises. We speak of his gracious work of salvation to a hurting and hopeless world around us. We're heralds because we know that hope of salvation within us. And that's the second truth here. We're, we're, the first is a simple herald of salvation Uh, But there is a scriptural hope of salvation here in John chapter 1, verse 29. You know, that that title for Christ, as I've said, is only here in John chapter 1, and yet the truth about this title saturates all of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. And John the Baptist says, first, behold, pause, Look at Jesus. Savor Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Two ways of understanding that at least. This is God's own Lamb. Or I believe the better way of understanding it, this is the Lamb that is God himself. What does that mean? Let me offer three biblical truths here showing that it's from Genesis to Revelation. This Lamb of God was provided by God. 
A few Sundays ago, we looked at that passage from Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, of that biblical account where Abraham offered up his one and only son Isaac in obedience to God. He had offered him as a sacrifice there on Mount Moriah, which actually later was the place where David made a sacrifice, where the temple was built. Abraham journeyed forth in faith, we read, knowing that, quote, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, Genesis 22, verse 8. And right when Abraham had raised his hand with the knife, ready to sacrifice his bound son Isaac there on top of that altar, with the firewood there, the fire ready. You know, God graciously provided a ram. That, that perfect substitute sacrifice at the perfect time. And Isaac was spared. The ram died as a substitute sacrifice. You know, that's what God does for us in Christ. He has provided that perfect sacrifice for sins in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. With the Lamb of God, we also think of the Passover, Exodus chapter 12. Just so you don't worry, I'm not going to go through all 64 books of the Bible uh, with this, but you know it's there right at the very beginning, Exodus chapter 12. You, you know the account where Israel has been in bondage in Egypt and slavery, and God raised up Moses uh, as a deliverer for his people. And there on their final night in Egypt, after God had sent the other nine plagues, God told his people uh, to, uh, to slaughter that sacrificial lamb at twilight, And then they were to take the blood of the sacrificial lamb, sprinkle it on the lintels on the door frames of their homes. And when the death angel passed over, if the angel saw the sign of the blood of the sacrificial lamb, that house would be spared. They were then to roast the lamb and eat it with their belt fastened, sandals on their feet staff in their hands ready to go, and sure enough, God graciously delivered his people. When he saw the covenant sign of the blood, he spared his people, pointing us ahead to to Christ, Christ our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let me give one more, one final example from the Old Testament. Christ is our the provision. Christ is the Passover lamb. Christ is the prophesied lamb. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. 
We think of the silent suffering of Jesus in the face of unjust accusations by sinful men. There is Jesus appeared before Pilate. He, he was silent. Now, Jesus was that, that, that prophesied lamb. If you were to go ahead in Isaiah 53, verse 12, and he shall bear their iniquities. He shall carry their iniquities. That, that's what Christ has done for us. He has taken that crushing burden of sin that was killing us, And he has taken it and carried it off. That's our substitute. He endured the holy wrath of a holy God, fully paying the price for our salvation. And so what's the significance of all of that? Going back to John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God, why is that important? Who takes away the sin of the world. Who takes away. Uh, the, the picture, or that word was used to, to speak of a ship weighing anchor, lifting anchor before it sailed away. Uh, but here Jesus takes the crushing weight of our sins. He graciously removes the guilt, receives the punishment that was rightly due unto us. And we are spared. And better yet, we are saved in Christ. Present tense, Jesus takes away. He continues to take away our sins. We know it was a done deal at the cross, but Jesus still forgives our sins. You know, there there is a great hope here. Maybe you're feeling hopeless you know, preacher, you don't know the sin I've committed. You, you don't know my past. You, you don't know what I'm struggling with today. And, and yet we read this truth in Scripture, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, part of the truth taught in this verse is this. We cannot save ourselves. We may try to forget our sins, you know, but they're still there. And we can't save ourselves by our church attendance, by our giving, by our good deeds. It's, it's all of grace. Jesus did not come to be a good moral teacher. You know, he is not just another incarnation, reincarnation of Confucius or Muhammad or whoever you might say. He's not just a good moral example. That's what the world says. Well, you know, he was a good man. Now, Jesus came with one purpose in mind, one passion, and that is to save us from our sin. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And if that's not enough to uh, lead us to, to glorious and gracious worship, who takes away the sin of the world. Sin. You know, those who deliberately depart from doing what is right in God's eyes. Yes, we're born in sin, but we also 
selfishly, stubbornly succumb to the pleasures and the pull of sin. Those who foolishly swim in the riptide, avoid the red warning flags on the beach of life, are headed into the bottom of the sea. The sins of the world, a fallen world in rebellion against God. Scripture here is not teaching that everyone will be saved, but it's a world in rebellion against God, and that idea of world here is that God will save people from all ethnic groups, all nationalities, all tribes, all skin colors, all financial groups, you name it. that, That Jesus' arms are wide to graciously embrace all of his redeemed ones. It speaks of the triumph of Jesus. If you're looking for a study during Christmas time, just go through the book of Revelation and see how often that word lamb is used. And it's always used in a triumphant tone. Let me give you two examples here as we think about Jesus taking away the sin of the world. Revelation 7, uh, verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then if you skip ahead to verse 17, For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then just one other one, Uh, Revelation 12, verse 11. And they have conquered him, that is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. There there is that scriptural hope of, of salvation. Unless you say, well, that, that's just, you know, theoretical. You know, that, I'll, I'll use it when I need it. Uh, last Sunday, um, Lynn and I worshipped at her home church, Lancaster Presbyterian Church, a church where her dad served as an elder And uh, their family attended almost from the beginning. And just as a side note, uh, worship is is balm for hurting souls. Uh, Our souls were encouraged, strengthened. And one of the hymns, spiritual songs we sang, I'm hoping we can learn it, but the title of it is Wonderful, Merciful Savior. And there is a line in that song. Uh, that, that grabbed my attention, captured my heart. Thinking about Jesus, that wonderful, merciful Savior. But the line is this, Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men.
That's why Jesus came, you know, to rescue us, to save us from our sins. You know, God mercifully rescues the souls of men, women, and children. That that gives us glorious hope and grief. It gives us glorious hope each and every day of our life. You know, there's great rejoicing because of that gracious assurance that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so as we, not quite done yet, one more truth here, but you know, as we're thinking about Christmas, family gatherings, presents, decorations, all wonderful. I'm in favor of it all. But at the center of Christmas is this gospel truth that Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. And may each of us know that in our own hearts. May, may we be sharing it with family and friends. Maybe you'll be gathering with family and friends this Christmas, family and friends that don't know Christ. Good to eat together, good to laugh together, rejoice together. But what a great opportunity. To share. And if we wonder about the impact of this all, look finally and real briefly there, John chapter 1, verse 35 through 37. The next day, uh, John was standing with two of his disciples, two of the disciples of John the Baptist, and, and he again sees Jesus. Jesus is walking by. Jesus is coming towards John the Baptist again. And again, uh, John the Baptist can't help himself. Thankful that he can't help himself. Again, he heralds this glorious news. Behold the Lamb of God. And what happens next? Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. There there is a steadfast holiness of salvation. There is a simple herald of salvation, a scriptural hope. But see how this truth impacts these two disciples of John the Baptist. We might call them religious people. Maybe they had been in the synagogue. You know, but here scripture is teaching us a They now were no longer just followers of John the Baptist. More importantly, they were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This gracious declaration leads to gospel discipleship. They followed Jesus. They followed closely. They were cleaving to Jesus in all of life, even in death, following Christ to the cross following him with the hope of glory. Jesus Christ came to save us from sins. Hear the words of another Christmas hymn. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice 
Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ came to save, calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting whole. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, not only for the humble birth of Jesus, born to humble, godly Mary, husband Joseph, born simply in a manger with sheep attending him and angels singing his praises. But Lord, we thank you especially that Jesus Christ came to save us from sin. Lord, pray that we would all know that gospel hope. Pray that each one here would know that gracious assurance of life eternal through faith in Christ. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we celebrate each and every Lord's Day, every day of our life, that we serve a risen Savior, the one who has redeemed us, the one who is coming again for his beloved children. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen.